When you came into the church today, you either bowed or genuflected before the tabernacle. Why? Because inside our tabernacle is consecrated host, Christ under the presence of bread. Yes, we believe Christ is inside the tabernacle. That is why we genuflect. The tabernacle is not really holy in itself. It is holy because of what it contains. In today's second reading, St. Paul tells us that we as the church and as individuals are holy because the Spirit of God lives in us. Let that sink in for a minute. The temple of God, which you are, is holy. The readings from Leviticus and Matthew's gospel not only call us to holiness, but they tell us how to be holy. Holiness means set apart. We become set apart when we seek God's wisdom in our lives. We set ourselves apart when we hold to God's values when they clash with today's wisdom of the world. God is not telling us to be isolated from others. In fact, God tells us to be engaged by being fair, compassionate, nonviolent, and loving. A saint is a holy person. We grow in holiness to the extent that we surrender our lives to God. In Leviticus, God says, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Our reading only has four verses. However, in the whole of chapter 19, God gives many directives ending 12 times with, I am the Lord. That means, listen up, I'm speaking. God's directives cover many of the Ten Commandments about respect for parents and for the Sabbath, care for the poor and aliens, God commands that we not steal, lie, and that employers treat employees fairly. God condemns hatred, bitterness, revenge. We are told to love your neighbor as yourself. Late one night, a cheerful truck driver pulled up to a roadside cafe for some refreshment. As he was eating, three wild-looking motorcyclists rolled up to the cafe's entrance. The atmosphere became tense as they walked in wearing dirty leather jackets. Immediately, they picked out the truck driver as a target of their meanness. One poured salt and pepper in his coffee. Another took his apple pie, placed it on the floor, and squeezed it under his dirty boot. The third overturned his coffee causing it to spill on his lap. The truck driver said not a word. He merely stood up, walked slowly to the cashier, calmly paid his check, and left. That guy isn't much of a fighter, is he? stirred one of the motorcyclists. The waiter behind the counter peeped out into the night and then replied, Yeah, he doesn't seem to be much of a driver either. He just ran his truck over three motorcycles outside. (laughs) 
Jesus, in today's gospel, says, offer no resistance to one who is evil. And he is really a good teacher because he goes on to give an example of what he means. He says, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him for two miles. Roman officers could commandeer Jewish citizens and could order to carry some of their objects for a distance of one mile, and so on and so forth. In other words, as Christians, we are expected to do more, to do extra, to go beyond. Can we think of a concrete example of doing more? To love those whom you know as friends is not extra. To give those who have given you in return is not more. To work because you are paid a salary is not beyond. To give in order to be given in return in the form of honor, praise, promotion is not extra. All these, friendship, salary, honor, praise, promotion, are ordinary gifts we give and receive. Everybody, even pagans and bad people, do these. But in the New Testament, Jesus teaches no to vengeance, no to retaliation, offer no resistance. He commands his disciples to love and forgive their enemies and pray for those who persecute them. His disciples should not only not take revenge on enemies, but repay evil with good. A response of kindness toward one who wrongs us helps not only us, but also the other person. Why does Jesus teach this? What is his point? The answer is very clear. When we hate our enemies and resent them, we end up hurting ourselves far more than we hurt our enemies. An anonymous author explains it this way. When we hate our enemies, we give them power over us, power over our sleep, power over our blood pressure, power over our health and happiness. Our enemies would dance for joy if they knew how our hatred tears us apart. Our hatred is not hurting them at all. It only turns our days and nights into hellish turmoil. A preacher's Sunday sermon focused on forgiving your enemies. After a lengthy sermon, he asked his congregation, how many of you are willing to forgive your enemies? Only about half of them held up their hands. Not satisfied, he continued for another half hour, then repeated his question. This time, he received a response of 90%. Still not satisfied, he lectured for several more minutes and repeated his question again. Growing weary, everyone responded except for one old gentleman in the rear. Mr. Hudson, are you not willing to forgive? I don't have any enemies, answered the old man. Mr. Hudson, that is most unusual. How old are you, inquired the preacher. I'm 93, the old man replied. Mr. Hudson, please come up to the front and explain to the congregation how a man can live to be 93 years old and not have an enemy in the world, said the preacher. The old man slowly made his way to the front, turned to face the congregation and said, it's easy. 
I just outlived them all. <laughs> but the question is, how do we love an enemy? This is difficult, but it's not impossible to do. Father Bell San Luis in his homily book said that we must know what Jesus means by love your enemies. By this, Jesus is saying essentially, love is an act of the will and not a feeling. So we don't have to feel good about our enemies, but we do have to will good to them. We don't have to experience nice feelings about our enemies, but we do have to will at least their healing and salvation. Just like when Jesus hung on the cross, he surely did not experience any loving feeling toward his executioners. But he willed them good by saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Because of Jesus' forgiving love, he changed the hearts of his enemies. Jesus commands us to love our enemies, not because he approves of their wickedness, not so much because of what they are now, sinners, but because of what they can become, saints. Father San Luis continued to say that the Lord calls us to higher form of spirituality, to do more than what is expected. Jesus ends today's gospel with, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus calls for mercy over justice. Old Testament teaching, an eye for an eye, was actually a limit placed on a former practice of limitless revenge. It was seen as justice. Jesus calls for mercy, not retaliation. Jesus asks us to give freely of time, treasure, and effort, especially to the needy. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Loving means wanting good for them. You don't have to like them or trust them. The enemy may be the person who got your child into drugs, the spouse who left you, the co-worker who lied to have you fired, or the country that will not give you sanctuary. How would our lives change if we were aware of ourselves as holy temples of God? Would we give up some habits that disrespect our bodies? Would our language change, our internet use, our selection of TV, dress, or social life? Would we treat others differently if we saw them as temples of the living God? Would our behavior change behind the wheel, in the grocery store, with the poor, or with those living in the fringe of society? We as church and as individuals have the Spirit of God living in us. We are a temple of the living God. Yet before us is the tabernacle, which holds Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity. It is an awesome miracle. He whom all the world cannot contain comes in our hearts to dwell. Yet in a few minutes we will receive Christ. The church will be filling up with Christ. What a living temple we will be.